Christmas will be here before you know it. So now is the time to prepare your heart with a timeless devotional written by Dr. David Jeremiah called Season of Joy. Enter the Christmas season with restored hope, resounding joy, reassuring peace, and renewed faith. This inspirational book is yours for a gift of any amount in support of Turning Point. And for a gift of $100 or more, you'll receive a four-pack to share the season of joy with others. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Many people, even some Christians, think heaven is just a feeling or a state of mind. If you're tempted to believe that, get ready to have your eyes open. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah reveals why heaven is a very real place. That's the true home of every believer. Continuing his series on the rapture, the great disappearance, here's David to introduce What's Up With Heaven. Hey, thank you for joining us today. We are studying the great disappearance. We're talking about the rapture. And I have to tell you, folks, what's happening during this series is almost overwhelming to us. The response we've been getting is beyond anything we have ever received. People are ready to hear about the rapture. They see the disappointment in our world today. They know there's got to be something going on, and God has a better plan. Well, we want to get you up to date on everything, help you to understand all the Bible has to say about it, and we're going to do some of that today as we talk about what's up with heaven. We're going to do this in two sections. We're going to begin with the place we soon shall see, and then we're going to talk about, because of that, the people we now should be. And so uh, today we're going to talk about what's in heaven. Who's in heaven? Where does heaven take us? And there are five things that will be on the list. You listen carefully, you'll be able to follow the outline. In the meantime, let me remind you that if you haven't already ordered the book, The Great Disappearance, don't wait till the last minute. Do you know that we have shipped out over 80,000 copies of this book before it released uh, in the public? Never have had anything like this before. There is such a demand for this that is it, it's a, it's compelling to us. So if you haven't gotten your copy yet, you can get a copy of this at any store where they sell good books. And you can also get a copy from Turning Point by just sending a gift of any size and asking for your copy. Remember, the book is called The Great Disappearance. It contains everything we're talking about on the air every day. And it's yours for a gift of any size. Ask for it when you write today. Here's part one of What's Up? with heaven. As far as I can determine, in America today, there is no city or community or township called heaven. But there used to be. That's right. According to the Texas State Historical Association, the little settlement of heaven, Texas, was organized in 1924. It was located near Farm Road 769 in Cochran County, and other than the name, its main attraction was its proximity to the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railroad. Sadly, things didn't pan out for the residents of heaven. The town was caught up in a bitter struggle with its neighboring town, Morton, Texas, in 1925. And both towns wanted to be recognized as the Cochrane County seat. There was an election that year, and Morton beat out heaven. 
It didn't sit well with the people from heaven. Unsatisfied, they contested the results and insinuating the election had been rigged. Higher powers officially awarded the county seat to Morton after all. And soon later, heaven was abandoned. It's humorous, isn't it, to think about a group of people trying to set up their version of heaven on earth? But it begs the question, well, if heaven is on earth, what will it be like in reality when heaven becomes heaven? So in this message, I want to tell you a little bit about that. We've spent a lot of words recently talking about the rapture of the church, which is that moment when Jesus will come from heaven and catch up those who are Christians and reunite them with those who have already died and together they will be ushered into heaven to spend eternity with the Lord. The title of my message today is What's Up With Heaven? What specifically can we expect to encounter when we get to heaven? Well, of course, in a word, everything, everything that's most precious and dear to you and me, everything that is important to a Christ follower, all of that's in heaven. Everything we need or desire will be found in heaven once we pass through the magnificent gates, either by death or by being caught up with Christ at the rapture. But I want to tell you some things that are in heaven that might surprise you and other things that might just affirm what you already know. Here are some examples to show you the place we soon shall see. First of all, our real estate is in heaven. The word heaven is mentioned almost 700 times in the Bible. 33 of the 39 Old Testament books talk about heaven. 21 of the 27 books in the New Testament talk about heaven. The language of the Bible speaks of heaven as a place that is high, lofty, and lifted up. John 14 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare, listen to this, a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus spoke those words in the upper room on the night before he was crucified. He had just told his disciples that he would die for them on the cross, and he explained that he would be buried and resurrected and that he was going back to heaven. And they were confused by this. They didn't understand anything that we understand today about the rapture, and they were filled with sorrow. And Jesus told them they should not be troubled, but he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you, and then I'm going to come and get you and take you to that place. The Apostle Paul spoke of Christ as ascending to heaven to sit at God's right hand, listen to this, in the heavenly places. Now, you may wonder why I'm making such a big deal out of the places, because I'm doing that so that you understand you will not live in some vapory netherland, in a disembodied haze, or in a blissful but intangible state of mind. The Bible refers to heaven as a specific place. It is not a state of mind. Sometimes the Bible refers to heaven as a country. 
which implies the vastness of its territory. Sometimes the Bible refers to heaven as the celestial city, which brings to mind buildings and streets and residence and activity. Sometimes the Bible refers to heaven as a kingdom, which speaks of organization and government. In the passage I quoted from John 14, Jesus refers to heaven as my Father's house. Oh, I love that name for heaven. For me, there's something intimate and sweet and personal about heaven when we talk about it as my Father's house. It's no longer an empty space. In my mind's eye, I see a home, and Jesus promised that if we put our trust in him, he would prepare a place for us in our Father's house that will serve as our heavenly home. I must confess to you, I'm not sure I ever had forgiven my parents for selling my father's house. When my parents got old, they told me that they were downsizing. I didn't know what that meant. But I found out that what that meant was they were moving out of the house that I grew up in, my father's house, and they were moving into a mobile home. Instead of now going home to see my mom and dad in my father's house, I had to go to a place where I had never been before, and I did not like that. And I probably won't ever sell my home until somebody sells it after I'm gone because I don't want my kids going through what I went through about the father's house. There's something special about going home to the place you grew up in, going to the room that you slept in, Even now when I go back to Cedarville where this house is, I drive by it and remember that was the home that I grew up in. What a special thing God did for us when he said that when we die or when Jesus comes back, we're going to the Father's house. We're going to be with God. Our residence, our real estate is in heaven. It's the Father's house. And then... When we get to heaven, not only will we discover our real estate, but we'll discover our Redeemer. Do you know who's in heaven? The Redeemer's in heaven. The Bible says in Hebrews 9, Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Just imagine the moment we get to heaven and we see Jesus. I mean, right now, we don't see him with our eyes. We see him through the description that is given to us in the Scripture. But the Bible says in 1 John 3, 2, that when we get to heaven, we shall be like him. Watch this. For we shall see him as he is. And the book of Revelation describes what it will be like in heaven throughout eternity. The throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face. When we get to heaven, we're not going to just once again hear about Jesus. We're going to see Jesus. We're going to see his face. We'll see his hands. And I believe the scars that are in his hands at the end of the crucifixion will still be in his hands and in his side. The marks of redemption to remind us that he paid a price so that we could be in heaven with him, our Redeemer. Think of the joy that will be ours when we get to heaven and we see the one who gave his life for us that we might be there with him. So our real estate's in heaven. Our Redeemer's in heaven. Here's one for you. 
Our relationships are in heaven. I remember a conversation I had with my father as he got toward the end of his life. He was a man who had developed many relationships, which meant he attended and presided over more than his fair share of funerals. One day he said to me, you know, David, one of the things about getting old is this. One day you begin to realize you got more friends in heaven than you have on earth. <laughs> he was right about that. It happens gradually, but it happens inevitably as we get older. The longer we live, the more our loved ones precede us into eternity. And thankfully, we know that that's not the end of the relationship because we're going to see them again in heaven. Perhaps you have heard, as I have over the years, someone say this. It sounds so right, but I'm not sure it's totally right. Here's what they say. I don't know much about heaven, but I know Jesus is there, and I will see him, and that's all that matters. But that's not all that matters. It sounds really spiritual, and obviously, when we get to heaven, Jesus will consume all the oxygen in the room. There's no question about that. But I like what Graham Scroggie said in one of his writings about this. He said, if I knew that never again I would recognize the beloved one with whom I spent more than 39 years of my life on this earth, my anticipation of heaven would not be what it should be. To say that we shall be with Christ and that will be enough is to claim that there we shall be without the social instincts and affections which mean so much to us down here. Life beyond cannot mean impoverishment, but the enhancement and enrichment of life as we have known it here at its best. What Scroggy is saying is this, if you know people down here, if you're friends with people down here, if you love people down here, when you get to heaven, that won't be any less. In fact, heaven will be all over it. All the things that weren't right will be right. So when you get to heaven, you get Jesus first and foremost, but you get all the rest too. You get all the relationships you had here with people who are Christians. Maybe this is the first year you've been without your spouse. I want to tell you one day you'll be with that spouse again. One day you'll be with that child again. One day you'll be with that grandparent again. And your relationships will not be diminished. They won't be less than they are here. They will be much greater. And yes, Jesus is at the top of the list. But you get Jesus and all the rest too. Your relationships are in heaven. And then the Bible says your residence is in heaven. Heaven is precious to us because we're citizens of heaven. Did you know that? Philippians 3.20 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this country, when you apply for a passport, you have to state where you were born, where you currently live, your birthday, so forth. And if you get approved, the government issues you a passport to let other governments know that you are a citizen of the United States or Germany or Mexico or wherever. And for me, I was born in Toledo, Ohio, and I live in San Diego, California. I have a United States passport, but my real residence is in heaven. I am a citizen of heaven, and I'm just an ambassador here on the earth. 
Here's how Pastor Stephen Lawson describes our true home country. Maybe this is why it's so wonderful to think about being a citizen of this place. He said, we will live in a land that is spiritually clean from the pollution of all sin. No abortion clinics, no brothels, no bankruptcy courts, no psychiatric wards, no treatment centers, no pornography, no teen suicide, no drive-by shootings, no racial tensions, and no prejudice. There will be no misunderstandings, no injustice, no depression, no hurtful words, no gossip, no hurt feelings, no worry, no emptiness, and no child abuse. There will be no wars, no financial worries, no heart monitors, no false teachers, no financial shortages, no hurricanes, and no bad habits. We will never need to confess sin. We will never need to apologize. We will never need to straighten out a strained relationship. Never have to resist Satan again. Never have to resist temptation. No, never. Hey, that sounds like heaven. That's what heaven is like. Amen. So let me just tell you how to review this and how to view this in your own life. As Christians, we are not citizens of earth who are going to heaven. We are citizens of heaven who are traveling through the earth. Let that reality change the way you live each day. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We're citizens of heaven trying to make it through earth on our way to the place where we ultimately will be in the Father's house when we get home. Our real estate is in heaven. Our Redeemer is in heaven. Our relationships are in heaven. Our residence is in heaven. And one more, our riches are in heaven. Here's what the book of Matthew teaches us. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, what a statement that is. It tells us how we can send our riches to heaven. The only way you can get your treasures from here to there is by investing in God's work. Friends, there are no U-Haulets following a hearse. There are no pockets in a shroud. You cannot take your money with you to heaven. You cannot take your house with you to heaven. You cannot take your car, your boat, your clothing. But you can take other people with you. And that's how you take riches to heaven. There are only two things going from the earth to heaven. Souls of human beings and the word of God. Whatever you invest in those two things will be in heaven as an investment you've made there and your riches will be there. So if you're trying to build equity in heaven, you have to invest your time and your talents and your treasure in the word of God and in the souls of men and women. Every bit of energy you put into the propagation of the gospel to people of the world all that you do to enhance the Word of God so that it can be understood and taught and everything you do to teach the Word of God, help people understand the Word of God, you are investing in heaven and those riches are in heaven waiting for you. And the Bible says they cannot be destroyed, they cannot be stolen. And as someone who has lost a couple of really nice suits because of moths, the moths can't get them either. So 
The only things going from earth to heaven are eternal souls and the Word of God. So that's the place we soon shall be. Let me review. Our real estate is in heaven. Our Redeemer is in heaven. Our relationships are in heaven. Our residence is in heaven. And our riches are in heaven. But now I want to tell you that the Bible tells us this is not just pie in the sky by and by. That we don't just now get to say, oh boy, we're going to heaven. No, the Bible teaches us that what we think about the future has a great deal to how we live our lives today. So point number one is the place we soon shall be. And point number two is the people we now should be. And if you understand the Bible, you know that to be the truth. The Bible tells us we're to lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing nigh. The Bible tells us to set our minds on things above and not on things on the earth. And the New Testament constantly affirms that what we believe about heaven affects how we live now. How we view the future has a tremendous influence on how we conduct ourselves in the present. So heaven is not just a place that we are going to see. Heaven tells us the kind of people that we should be. How should we live in light of what we know about eternal life? Well, I would like to direct you to one scripture, one little passage in the Bible where all of this stuff is kind of organized for us. It's 2 Peter chapter 3. I think it's very helpful to see the practicality of it. This tells you how heaven affects you now. It's so wonderful, and it's so clear, and it's so vital to who all of us are. First of all, it says, because we're going to heaven someday, we should be people of purity. Second Peter 3.11 says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? In this verse, Peter describes the lifestyle of a Christ follower who understands the future plan of God. He says that we ought to be people of holy conduct. He adds the word godliness, which means to have a Godward attitude or to do the things that are pleasing to God. The Apostle John agreed. He wrote, All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. And Paul told Timothy to exercise himself toward godliness and to pursue godliness. This affects the words that we speak. This affects the things that we watch. This affects the things that we think and the habits that we cultivate. The Bible says because we're going to heaven we should start bringing a little bit of heaven into our lives down here. Start living like we are worthy of living in heaven. You say, well, I'm just going to get all I can get out of this earth and everything it's got, and when I die, I'm going to heaven. No, that's not the way you're supposed to live. The Bible says because we're going to heaven, it should motivate us to want to live godly lives here and now. You know, when we get to heaven, there's going to be a little transition, obviously, from how we've lived to being in heaven. You see what I'm saying? We should live in such a way that when we get to heaven, we just kind of walk out of the world we're in and into that world where all of the resistance toward godliness has been removed. In his book on heaven, Randy Alcorn helps us understand how God's future should motivate us to live holy lives. 
He said, if my wedding date is on the calendar and I'm thinking of the person I'm going to marry, I shouldn't be an easy target for seduction. Likewise, when I've meditated on heaven, sin is terribly unappealing. It's when my mind drifts from heaven that sin seems attractive. Thinking of heaven leads inevitably to pursuing holiness. Our high tolerance of sin testifies of our failure to prepare for heaven. Isn't it interesting that in the generation that was passed, so much of the music was about heaven. Uh, I go to a quartet convention every year. I couldn't go this year because I was ill, but I've always noticed that when you go to the quartet convention, which is old-time music, maybe 50% of the music is about heaven. In our modern contemporary music, there's almost no music about heaven. It's all about the here and now. It's all about how I can uh, have a better life now. Nothing wrong with that. But something happens to us that's not good for us when we forget what our ultimate destiny really is. One day, men and women, we're going to spend eternity with Almighty God in heaven. And He wants us to be there with Him. He's gone to prepare the place, coming back to get us. I hope you're ready. I hope you're rapture ready, because if you're not, you're going to be left behind. Make sure you're ready when the call comes and you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Great Disappearance, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new hardcover book, The Great Disappearance. 31 Ways to Be Rapture Ready. Informative and inspiring. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Great Disappearance, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. Depending on your age, you may remember the book published by the famous psychiatrist Carl Menninger. In 1973, he wrote, Whatever Became of Sin? It's a good question. 
even more appropriate nearly four decades later. It seems no one is sinful anymore. Instead, people who do wrong are immature or foolish or ill. Those words do apply to some people, of course, but the Bible also applies the sin word to everyone. It says that all have sinned, that is, all are sinners, and have fallen short of God's standards. But it also points to the answer, forgiveness through the grace of Jesus Christ. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's solution for sin on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.